Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Carol. <laughs> How's it going? Good. <laughs> Since we haven't gotten together for a couple of weeks here, what's been happening in your kitchen, Jamie? Trying to think. It's like, so I've been using your cream cheese. Uh-huh. And so one week I made, I made two different recipe of cream cheese dips. Oh, they were fantastic. And actually, and actually the first one, it was actually a cheese ball recipe that I left the pecans off because I know Rich isn't really fond of them. And I just put it, and I'd read the other one that you had mentioned <laughs> and it, you know, it put it in the oven and, and melted it. And I thought, let's do it. Mm-hmm. That one was really good. That was good. a really good one. And so then uh, last week I made the other one. And it was okay, but I liked the first one better. Yes, the fir- the first one had bacon in it. I mean, how can you go wrong? <laughs> well, that one, the, the second one had bacon in it too, oh, but not as much. Not as okay. Somebody else, had, somebody had found it and <laughs> ate some of the bacon. <laughs> ate some of the bacon and like, oh, okay. But yeah, that that first one, which was just basically a traditional cheese ball, cheese ball yep. that you left the you took, took the I didn't nuts put the out. Yep. The, the nuts probably wouldn't have gone very soggy. well in that gooey. Yeah. But oh my gosh, that was that was gone between the four of us. Yeah. We cleaned that up, and I think we were licking the licking the pan. Yep. There was nothing <laughs> left. And then I I had um, made um, bread, homemade bread, mm-hmm. and toasted it. That that was fantastic. Yeah. So it's like oh yeah. yeah and you put some seasoning on it too, if I remember Ye- right. Didn't you have some Italian seasoning or something on there? I don't I think, think they I put were butter. Yeah, who knows? See, I need to write this down. Yeah, it's like yeah, oh, it was. Okay. It was really good. It yeah. was a nice way to use up bread. Yes, you know, stale bread. Stale bread. You know, they all they'll eat it the first day, day and a half. But once then, it's like it sits there, and I look at it, and it's like, what am I going to do with it? And was that sourdough bread? No, it was just regular. Yeah, I've whatever. been, um, you know, because sourdough, you got to think about process. Oh, yes. And so it, my sourdough starter is sitting in the fridge going, hey, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> but no, I'm like going, pulled out the bread machine and just let the bread machine. And actually, I found an awesome bread machine recipe because I couldn't find my bread machine recipe. Don't know what I did with it. Mm-hmm. So I used uh, King Arthur's oh, that's bre- right. bread mm-hmm. machine recipe. Uh-huh. And it has turned out, I probably made it six times now, and it turns out great every time. And what's the recipe called? Just white bread or? Bread machine recipe okay well, we'll put we'll put a link to that in the show notes let's see you had done all that canning but that was two weeks ago yep but i have still been working on canning you're still now what are you doing now well you know, did i tell you about going to the local little grocery hardware store we have in kirkoven and uh, i went to buy carrots for lunch and noticed that he still had cranberries and i'm like going hmm he had them marked at 225 where they had been on sale at some point during the christmas season and I wonder, hmm, he had eight bags left. And I went and I stuck my head around the corner. I go, Scott, you give me a deal if I buy all the rest of those? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I got him for a $1.75 bag. Uh-huh. And I made more cranberry juice last night. Oh, okay. And then, but then I had like three cups left over. And I'd have to do one more jar and a hot water. <laughs> you know, it's like, then I'd yep. have to have, you know, so it's like, no, what do I, okay, what am I going to do with you? So I made the cranberry re- sauce recipe on the back of the package. The cook sauce or the relish? I cooked it. Okay. And I'm like, oh, that, I've never had cranberry sauce ever because the stuff that can't, all I've ever seen is the stuff out of a can. And that is not appetizing. No, it is not. And so I thought, well, this doesn't taste, this is actually kind of good. So now my thinking is that I'm going to take it and put it in ice cube trays and I'm going to use it to second ferment kombucha. Oh, okay. Otherwise, my other suggestion was going to be take it take a block of my cream oh. cheese and put it on top and use it put it on crackers that's really really good okay we can do um, that yeah my I, I don't know if bob would i don't know i don't know if rich is rich a cranberry guy no he is not yeah i don't know if i bob, am 
We might just do a little dish yeah, for you just, and I. Yep. Yep. But that's really good. Like animal crackers are really good with that. If you're, you're like animal, that cookie yeah, that like I used to feed animal, my kids. Yeah. The little animal crackers, not the frosted, just the plain yeah. shortbread. Yeah. They're really good that way. I was introduced to that in a, um, a fancy hoity toady um, event. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a store, and they just oh. and they have a lot of different cheeses and stuff. And there was one there; they were actually they actually it was a cranberry, and I think it had jalapenos in it or something. So, um, and they were serving that as samples to sell their jelly. Gen- it was actually oh. a jelly they were selling or a jam, and oh, I was like, this is really good. Animal and, crackers, yeah, but animal crackers with that is is really. Wonder good. if I can find a little container of animal crackers. I have to but, stop and see. But before we come out here, I mean. I don't know. Yeah. It's really good that way. I'm sure it's good on other crackers too. I'm sure yeah. it's good on a Ritz yeah, cracker have, or have, your sourdough crackers if you have a chance to make those. I'm sure it'd be good on that too. But I just know it's really good on the animal crackers. Not that I'm supporting animal crackers from the store, but yeah. it's really good. <laughs> I haven't bought those. I don't even bring buy those for my grandkids. We we have them because they are a nice treat for goats, and oh. we do eat them here. We that's not unusual oh. for me to eat animal crackers, and all of a sudden I get a craving and. Maybe I need to find a recipe to make my own. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're yeah. going to cut out the shapes. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so I'm glad you found a way to use the, yep. the cranberry sauce yep. or the cranberries up to make sauce, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. And then one other thing is I'm back to, I still have potatoes that I need to can. And so I've started canning them, getting down a, you know, it's when you try something new and then um, to get down the process of doing it so that, you know, in my life, I've got to do it in short segments because mm-hmm. I don't have, in the evening, I'll have three hours Yep. to spend something but um i don't always have three hours okay you know so it's like can i do something in the morning can i do a little bit at lunchtime because i go home at lunch and make lunch for the gang and then can i finish it up in the evening before i go to bed that's how i flow with everything so but then that but besides that i'm i'm like going you did. You're missing one thing you told me about, and you got me started over oh, here. Oh, my clabbering eyes. I was looking to make cottage cheese. And um, our number one fan, Kelsey, said she had a recipe. And so she sent it to me, and I watched the video. She sent me a video link. And this gal, she's from Pennsylvania, Mennonite maybe background. Anyway, she talked about the first step is to clabber the milk. And basically, that is letting the milk milk sour naturally on your counter. And I'm like, mm, okay. That's easy enough. Yeah, right? I can you do, think. <laughs> I can do that. It'd take a few days. And I think I jumped the gun. I don't think it was soured enough. And so my cottage cheese didn't really turn out cottage cheesy like. Because when I put it in the refrigerator, it clumped too big together to be like a cottage cheese. Okay. And it really wasn't like a cheese curd. But it tasted good. Everybody loved the taste of it. Not that well, a mistake still turned out okay. Yeah. You know, I think I read that in some, so many, I've been reading a lot of cheese blogs and videos and books. And somebody said, even a mistake is still edible. I did make lasagna with that, you know, failed cottage cheese. And it worked out okay. I had to chop it up with the egg. You know, I mix an egg in with my cottage cheese when I make lasagna. And so I used that to break it up. And it still turned out great. And did I take a picture of that? No. So I, I did that. So okay. I, I have another and I have another gallon on the counter now. Clabbering. Oh, and then the other side effect, because I've watched like three different videos and clabbered milk, if you don't skim off the cream, makes clabbered sour cream. And so I did that. I scooped off this sour cream. I got like a cup and that what I use that to make ranch veggie dip. And it turned out great. Even Bob, Bob liked it. Uh-huh. He goes, it's too dilly but i'm like i like the deal so (laughs) i'm the one that eats the veggies in my house so it's like so it turned out great and so but then i went to make like i don't know what i was having tacos or something i I don't have no sour cream i made veggie dip with all my (laughs) (laughs) whoops okay so so you said you took so you clabbered your milk on the counter and then you took the cream off before you made your cottage cheese yep so you used like a light cottage cheese or a loaf fat then would well no i had two half gallons and so only one half i i skimmed one half gallon oh okay and left the the other oh okay so so i got some fat you need the fat i think you need the fat for the cottage cheese that's what i would think but okay so all right so you just took a little sample yeah i took some of the clabbered milk and put like a couple tablespoons in the other gallon so that i put a cultured in to speed up the clabbering of 
the current gown that I have on the counter. Because we're going to try, you know, cottage cheese too and see what happens. You're going to try it again. Now, you said um, it didn't quite clabber like you were expecting yeah, it I to. Yeah, I think once I got the cream off, it wasn't as yogurty as I as I, the video was. And I'm thinking, okay, I needed to let it go longer. You know, so that's... The and your your is your kitchen cool like mine And my is? kitchen is cool. Yeah. And I do have it. Um, I have heat mats in my kitchen that I do my kombucha on. Uh-huh. But I don't, I didn't want to put the milk directly on the heat mat. So I what I did, know. I took a, I have um, stone four by four, no, eight by eight pans. So I turned it upside down and I have that sitting on top of the stone pans. Okay. So it's a little, it's not directly on the heat mats, but it's warmer. It's warmer. Because yeah, yeah my kitchen, your butter will not spread in my kitchen. And you made something else in your kitchen. Oh, farmer's cheese. cheese. Farmer's you cheese. made farmer's cheese, and you must have made that earlier this two weeks ago. Well, I don't know. You, I know you didn't bring any over. I think you guys ate it all. Oh, yeah, we ate it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it turned out being more like a paneer. Okay. So um, so I, cu- I took milk, and I heated it up to 180 degrees, put vinegar in it, curled it. You leave it set 10 minutes, then you strain it. It's really a simple cheese to make, and then um, it tastes really good warm. And then once it cooled in the refrigerator, it came together more in a clump. And that's where I think I need to find something to like mold it because I just put it in a bowl. Uh Whereas if I'd taken and molded it, it would have been easier to slice it because I tried it on sandwiches and it really didn't melt. Mm -hmm. Like it got it got softer back to like when it was when I made it, but it didn't melt like a mozzarella or a Kobe or cheddar Mm -hmm. would on a sandwich. It was still good. And actually... The gal that I watched that video on, she said they fry it. They slice it, you know, I don't know, probably quarter inch thick and put it in a pan and fry it until it's crispy. And I'm like, and it was, I did that, at, you know, one piece and I was like, oh, that is pretty good. Yep. I'm so like, that's, that's, I made some too. Okay. Now I just followed a recipe I found on allrecipes.com. Oh, I just okay. found the simple farmer's just cheese. Farmer's cheese. And, you know, of course, it's my grandma and my great grandma made this, whatever, and whatnot. So I made some too. And I it used the same thing gallon milk. Yeah, half a cup of white vinegar. I think I brought it up to 175, I think it was. Yeah, the hotter you get it, the firmer it gets. Bring it up more to 200. That's where it's really firm. Yeah, so I did that, and I didn't. I didn't add any salt. I didn't add anything. I just made it straight, just as it was written or whatever. And I did post on our Facebook page about it, asking other people what they do because I find it extremely bland, yes. and extremely boring. And oh my goodness, we got all kinds of suggestions as to oh, okay. what to add. I don't know if you've looked I at that. I haven't read post. all of them. Okay, yep, you should look at that. It was somebody was adding jalapenos, and oh. they all said to add it. Let's see, you add the salt in any seasonings you wanted to um, after it drains. Add it then before you put it into any kind of a mold or, you know, okay. shape it however you want to do that. So did you press yours? Mine? Yes, I did. I First, I squeezed all the, the way out as much as I could just using the cheesecloth in my hands. And then I did hang it and did just like you did. I had, you know, a gallon jug yeah. on top of a plate on top of my strainer, you know, my yep. colander. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I probably left it there 40 minutes. I didn't leave it yeah. real long because it was done. It, there yeah. was nothing draining. So yeah. I just simply put it in a little square dish that I had, a glass dish that I had and um, did that. But yeah, Rich is like, this is kind of boring. I'm like, yeah, oh, there's just nothing here. So that's why I, face- I put on Facebook. I'm hey, you know, what do you guys do? Because I know people talk about how great farmer's cheese is. Yep. And it's like, this is boring. And I did try frying it. Oh, okay. We did fry some. I just sprinkled a little salt on top of it, but yeah. I should have put a lot more, I can tell you. Oh, okay. I thought it, I liked the texture of it because it kind of looked like a egg white, a fried egg white. Oh. That's what it looked like to me. Okay. Um, And I just done like a long slice, you know, because yep. I had a square pan. But I was thinking this morning, I was like, oh, I should try cutting it in little cubes and then frying it. Oh. That might, then it would be, you know, brown. So on it'd be kind of like, like when we went to that little. cheese curd festival where they fried them. Yeah, but they, I think, was that cheddar that they fried though? I don't I remember. I don't know because I didn't have any of that. Yeah, so, my son had it. So I yeah, don't. I don't know. But um, I was like, I, I think, I think there's potential there. Learning curve, yep, you know. Haven't had a real chance to play around with it a whole lot. But other than that, it's just been cheese, 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 cheese in my kitchen. When I've been home, we've had um, a lot. We've been a busy this week. I swear I don't leave the farm for a year and a half and I cram everything into like a week and a half. We went to a retreat last weekend. Last night I was in uh, Chanhassen at the dinner theater for work. And now 
this weekend we have a wedding and i'm like okay <laughs> three events in like less than two, two weeks, weeks or whatever yeah. and i'm like oh my gosh and so um besides cheese and not a lot else has been happening in in my kitchen right yeah. now um i've made uh several batches of cheddar i have colby sitting on top of the harvest right right now air drying the harvest rate has also been running oh, in yeah. our kitchen. Um, let's see, what did what did we put in? Oh, I was doing liver. I have um, somebody who asked me to dry liver, kidney, pancreas, thyroid was in there. And then she also wanted the reproductive organs done from the beef that they purchased from us. Um, she asked that I try to freeze dry that. I will tell you that the reproductive organs did not work very well. Oh, did they not dry or what? They didn't dry there. I think there's just too much fatty tissue throughout oh. the whole thing. And so we just ran it for as long as we thought we could. And then we just simply vacuum sealed it in the Avid Armor machine. And then I told her, you need to keep this in the freezer because I don't know that it's preserved real well. But she was going to um, put it in her dehydrator. Oh, and dehydrate it. it some more, and then she was going to put it in capsules and take it as a dietary I suppose, yeah, supplement. Yeah, with the fat, the dehydrator would probably take it down a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And I told her, if nothing else, you you probably could try to cut that fat out of there, you know. Or yeah. I honestly don't know how to do that, but I will tell you that if you're going to freeze dry kidney, you do need there's a fat thing that runs through the center, and that should be cut out of there before you put in the freeze dryer. That's the other thing that. Um, didn't freeze dry quite the way I thought it should. The The meaty part was all fine, but I did not know what that was in the center. And I'm pretty sure that was just fat or something like that. But it was really tough to cut through because I sliced the, the kidney yeah. to put it into the freeze dryer. And when I hit that, it was really hard, almost like, I don't want to say cartilage, but it was a little bit harder to cut through than the fleshy part of the kidney, if that so makes how, sense to anybody. So how small did you slice it? Oh, I, oh gosh, it was probably half inch, maybe. So um, a meat, meat slicer would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have worked. I mean, it, it cut. It just that when I got when I hit that part, right. it was, it was like, just a little tougher. And once I got through, it was just fine. Oh, okay. But um, and in um, so that would be my only suggestion that you remove that, um, that little. I don't know if it's a vein or yeah. what it is. I don't know a whole lot about kidneys. Yeah, I don't I either. mean, I have a nursing degree, but I don't know a whole <laughs> lot about dissecting a kidney from a cow. Um, but anyway, so that worked out pretty good. The pancreas did really, really nice. That was cubed already from the butcher. Oh, okay. And um, we just sliced up the bait or sliced up the bacon. I wish. No, <laughs> then we sliced up the, the liver and she was going to um, powder all of that. And we had um, vacuum sealed everything for her oh, and okay. with the Avid Armor and that worked really, really slick. And she picked it up when she picked up her milk order. That was what was going on in the, the harvest right this week. And I've got peppers and tomatoes entrees ready to go in as soon as okay. we're done podcasting today. Yeah. It's a little too noisy to record with, right? Yes, it is. And so the tomatoes on there are still yours. There's a tomatillo in there and a, and some tomatoes. Oh, yeah, that I found in the freezer. So <laughs> Back, back to it. <laughs> yep. So it's just a little portion. That's oh, okay. it's probably a couple cups. That's all the more oh. there is. Um, so you'll have that to pick up whenever we get yeah. That so finished this year when I do tomatoes, I am going to dice my tomatoes, not cube it, because basically I would quarter a tomato and threw it threw it in a plastic bag. But I'm going to dice it this year so they're smaller and I think they dry. Yep. And I tried to um. I've defrosted them because we had them in the freezer. So oh. I defrosted them so that I could, because they were just big chunks. So I defrosted them and then I tried to squeeze out a bunch of water out of them, oh, some yeah. of the juice out of them so that they would hopefully they freeze dry, dry, dry as quickly as the peppers because the peppers are going to be a little bit drier, you know, just by volume. Um, and then um, I was going to make some cream cheese, some more cream cheese, but I realized I ran out of cultures from Cultures for Health. That's where I get my cream cheese culture. And so I have that on order and that's coming probably next week. So I'll start making a little bit more cream cheese. So we need to use up what I have. Which and is a... It, there's not too much left. There's I only a say, few packages. One time you had like 12 pounds yeah, of it. Yeah, I was going to say, no, I've been slowly using it up. So I'm like, oh, and I was like, I had all this cream ready. And I'm like, oh, whoops, I don't, <laughs> I don't have the culture. And then I was like looking at another recipe and I'm like, nope, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it the culture the way for health one because... That's what we like. We like that. The taste that, is yeah, really the good. Yeah, the taste is good. Um, I've had, I've given out samples out or whatever, and everybody's like, it tastes so good. It's so much better than the store-bought stuff. And, you know, so Rich and I did do some research. We happened to be in the grocery store at the same time, and he was looking at cream cheese, and the stuff in the store has salt in it, and it has 
Most of them have some kind of a gum in them. The organic stuff has locust bean gum in it. I think he looked at the Walmart brand and that had like three different ones in it along with salt. Mine doesn't have anything. Mine is cream and culture. I don't know. I don't know if that gum stuff has something to do with longevity of it. I haven't researched that to see why they use yeah, those gums. Yeah, because yours don't in the refrigerator is a week, two weeks. Yep, that's what it says for a week. But now Rich vacuum sealed the last batch I made and we vacuum sealed it in eight ounce packages. And now that stuff seems to be lasting longer. Yeah. And so just like you were saying with your fruit, you know, now that we vacuum seal it, that would make it last longer. So I took... Off another, another gallon of milk, I took cream off it, thinking I'm going to do more sour cream. And so I did. I took just cream, took some of the clabbered cream from that first batch and mixed it in there. And it clabbered really nicely. And wow. so I have, and it says it only lasts about a week or so too. Mm-hmm. And so I put it in a jar and vacuum sealed it. So I'm expecting to get two weeks out of it. Well, it'll be interesting to see how long it lasts so we kind of have an expiration date for our products. I'm like going, you know, I don't think it'll last in my refrigerator. Well, that's, that's <laughs> maybe that's your problem too. You got to have one little little sample yeah, in I'll the probably, back hidden. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe I will take a little, um, except you can't, it's hard to vacuum seal like a jelly jar. Oh, okay. They're they're harder to seal. I don't know why it is. Quarter yep. pints don't vacuum seal really well. I suppose they're just They so probably small. would in your Abbott oh, armor. Yes, they might if we put them in there. They would we could do try that. that. We don't use a lot of cream cheese in our house, so you're just getting creative. Yeah, I'm just getting creative with it because I have. How much can you put in your hot dishes? Yes, <laughs> my mom never did that, so it's like to me that's just a foreign thing to put that stuff. Oh no, in. my mom never did either. Yeah, so. I never had cream cheese until I was an adult. Well, mom would just had the stuff that she put on like toast or something, you no. know, just the spreadable stuff or whatever. And if we made cream cheese frosting, that was the only other time that no. we really had cream cheese in the house. The only time we had frosting in our house is on birthdays. Yeah, it's like, and then butter. Mom bought butter butter. Yep, we always had real butter. And so it's like, it wasn't until later years that we got margarine in. Yeah, margarine we bought for baking and butter was on the table. That was how it was in our house. Oh, it's funny. Well, you know, margarine was like 10 cents a pound. I don't Way remember. back then, yeah. And so we'd have like 10 pounds of it or whatever. Anyway, well, <laughs> okay. All right. So Herb of the Week. Whoops. Whoops. Yeah. That was a big whoops. <laughs> so we started that feature on our last podcast. And, then and Jamie, Jamie failed. <laughs> so, you know, it's a new thing. So Jamie's like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and it's like, and I didn't even bring the book. Otherwise, I would just read out of my book. Because that's otherwise, if I try to do it in my memory, I would forget. Yeah, something important. So, so next week, well, our next recording, well, we'll implement that again and find a herb that we're interested in. Maybe we can pick one that we decided to um, use in our farmer's cheese or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pick out a herb like that or something. Yeah. So instead of talking about the herb of the week, I thought maybe I'd talk a little bit about this book that I got in the mail. Now, I was you like, haven't seen this I was yet. like going, oh, she's got a book um, over there. We were contacted by the publisher company for um, uh, Jill... I think it's pronounced Reagan would be my guess from um, Whispering Willows Farm. And she has put out a book all about, now I thought the tiny but mighty farm. And I thought maybe it would have some animal stuff in it, but it really is orientated for the gardener. Um, And so while we were traveling yesterday, I did page through it. I did not read it, but I did page through it. And I think that this is probably something you might want to read. (laughs) Yeah, she pushes it it at me. It talks about raised beds and all your options. She's got greenhouses, a glass house, incredible stuff. Does she have a YouTube? She probably does. She's got like three three girls. There's a lot of information in there. And I am not the gardener of this pair. And so I thought maybe... You would be interested in that. I would like to read it eventually, but I, I thought maybe read it, get maybe it. it talks about seedlings and starting all. I mean, there's it's just packed full of information in that book. Kind of looking forward to see what you think and if you learn anything from her. Yeah, she farms in Arkansas. Oh, okay. And Total. so her yeah, her climate's Total. a little different than ours. She's probably a zone six or a zone seven, something yep. like that. Because she talks about winter gardening, which is something we don't really I mean, no, do up here no. it's just a little too cold but not unless you have a greenhouse or a hoop house maybe yeah you could get away with green you could have started greens early enough that you you would basically you're just holding them you're holding them in the ground until you harvest them 
Yeah, as I say, you almost need heat. You need some kind yep. of a heat source because it just gets too cold at yeah, night. Yeah, because the, the shorter the days get and the colder it get, they're not growing anymore. So the point to have a winter harvest, you need to start them early enough in August, September, so that by the time November, end of October, November hits, they're at the size and they're just going to hang there. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, until, or like, you know, carrots. If they're in a hoop house, they're pretty much protected and you... Um, you know, if they're in the ground and protected, you can come out and dig them. As long as you can dig the ground, you can mm-hmm. dig them. Radishes, I think, too, you can do that with. Because I've done that. I've I've kept carrots in the ground until the end of November. And but, eventually our ground freezes yeah, solid so, out here. Yeah, so, you know, it's like when it's like, oh, it's getting down there. It's like, okay, we got to go out and dig everything out of the ground that you want. Have you ever left carrots in the ground over winter and then tried to harvest them in the spring? No. Okay. Now, to get carrot seeds, carrot seeds are... Um, carrots are biannual and so if you want to grow carrots to get, to gather your own seeds you need to do that you need to leave them in the ground so that they grow the second year and then they'll seed the second year same thing with onions onions you know i've done that where accidentally where it's like oh i missed you know an onion didn't grow up but it was big enough that the mm-hmm. next year it regrew and it will make seeds next year but then it comes to where you have to have one variety Otherwise, you, you're making a hybrid. And if you don't mind making a hybrid yourself, that's totally fine. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before, about the onions. I think you've talked to me about that yeah, before. Yeah, so, you know, if you have more on than that. one variety, they will yep. ca- cross-pollinate. Okay. So, cool. That's yeah. awesome. So, um, I'm excited. Give that a read. So, it's thank you to Jill Reagan. I would say Reagan for sending this out to us. Yes. And so, we'll take a look at that and see get, what we get, learn. Get a review on it. Yes. So I think we need to take a break here to hear from our sponsors. Family-owned PeteCoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store. PeteCoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Miraco, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PeteCoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O-Supply.com. PeteCoSupply. And we're back. So our topic for this podcast is cast Cast iron iron. and so you kind of took the lead on this because i don't do a lot with cast iron oh but you will but (laughs) i've been i've been kind of looking and and researching a little bit and i sent my cast iron cast irons in my kitchen right now um we ransacked our um old home in in town and rich found some cast iron in there that's been neglected for many many years years. you've been out here how long yep 10 we've been out here about 14, 15 years. Yeah. And that cast iron did not travel with us to the farm. So he brought that home and you... I took it. You took it from me. I took it and um, we'll probably cut it because I don't... In, in my research note, notes, I didn't do a whole lot on restoration. Mm-hmm. I have a resource for them if they want to go figure out because actually I was reading research and it's like there's quite a few ways to do it. And so I'll t- just tell you how I do it. My husband's a mechanic and he researched how to get rust off metal. And he does, uh, uh, it's called electrolysis. And I don't understand all the science and stuff, but the big main ingredient in his tub of goo is <laughs> molasses. And um, when he opens this tub, it has a lid on it, thank heaven. When he opens that, it smells like he's out there with your cows on the ground. It smells, I put rubber gloves on to handle your cast iron because it lingers on your hands. And one actually, and he has hooks. He, he wired, puts a wire on the handle and then dips it down in. He's got a 55 gallon barrel that he hangs this stuff in. He uses it to like um, getting the rust off an old engine that he's restoring. It's called electrolysis and it will take the old seasoning out and it will take rust off the metal. And now another pro- thing that we learned, because then when he pulls it out, he pressure washes it. And then he takes it over to the air hose and uses an air gun to dry it. And so because he's like going, well, you got to get those home and get them oiled right now. And I go, no, the pan you did to me for mine last week, it's been because I was like, am I going to do a pan in the oven seasoning it or I'm going to wait and have a fill the whole oven? An oven full. And so I just left mine on the on top of my stove and it has not rusted. He got to dry. dry enough yep. with the air hose that it didn't rust. 
And so your pans look brand new, like they're fresh off the factory floor with wow. no seasoning. That's amazing. I have a video. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> video. <laughs> you don't listen. He just so yeah. You me. videoed the, what the process that you do. Yep. Now, granted, most of our most listeners people, probably don't have access no, to that. No. So so then you go back to vinegar, soap and water, and mussels. So that the website that I landed on and I really liked their research and everything was and how they did it was called seriouseats.com. They had multiple articles on care of cast iron, buying cast iron, their favorite cast iron, um, myth of cast iron, what to cook in cast iron. So they had a whole gamut of it. And so I took from there and I mean, I'm, I'm taking it from their website, not word for word, but their bullet points. And so it's like, Oh, yeah. And actually, I found out some things that I was was doing (laughs) wrong with my cast iron. I was like, oh, okay. So my three main cast iron skillets will be going to the shop and have the old old seasoning taking off, and I will be re-seasoning them. So are you going to do the the electrolysis, that type of thing? Because I watched Jill Winger from the Prairie Homestead, and she had done a video, and she was trying to save a skillet that she had purchased at a garage sale. Oh, yeah. It didn't even have a label on it. You know, she yeah. didn't know what, who what made brand. it or whatever. And so she said, I kind of hung it there because I didn't really, it's kind of dirty and I didn't really want it. And she said it was just hanging on her wall or wherever. And um, so she went through what she did to get all the gunk, the off? gunk off of it. And she said it was it was greasy from just hanging. I think she had them hanging over her stove. And so oh, yeah. there was some grease buildup from that. And she had shown how, you know, it was shiny or whatever and how some of this was chipping off. And so her research told her that they needed to sand that oh. using a drill. And so she went out to her husband's shop and he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to try this. And he tried like a brush and that didn't work. And so then they, they finally landed on this sandpaper thing. It was kind of like the texture of a, a sponge with that scrubby side oh, on okay. it. Okay, the green The green, green one. Pads, yep, yep, the green one. And so he did that and he took all of that off of her. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't know how long it took, but that's what they finally settled on, exactly what her research had told her, that that's what they needed yep. to use and that that worked really well. And so she had this pan that didn't even look like cast iron. Honestly, it looked like a silver pan. Yep. It was silver. That's what yours kind of looked okay. like. All right. Yep. And so she brought that back into the house to season it. Yep. She started out with coconut oil because they said um, her research told her coconut oil or flaxseed oil, I think it was. So she went ahead and used the coconut oil because that's what she had. She didn't have flaxseed oil. She did not like how it went. She Let's see. She baked it. She she put the um, seasoning on. She seasoned it with the coconut oil, put it in the oven at 400 degrees for 30 minutes. And it didn't look like she wanted it. So she redid it again, seasoned again, yep. put it back in and she did it. Oh, I don't know, four or five times, something yep. like that. Still didn't like it, left it cool in the oven overnight, got it up in the morning. She had a residue on it. She didn't like how that worked. So she did some more research. And then that research told her that she needed something that was a, a seasoning that had a high um, smoke point. point. Okay. And so she, lard, flaxseed oil came up again. Those were your two best options. Again, she doesn't have flaxseed oil, so she went with lard. And she then decided she wanted the oven hotter and for longer. So she put the lard on her pan, put it in the oven at 500 degrees for an hour, then took it out, let it cool off or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then took it out and then re-seasoned it a second time, put it in the oven, and then cooked it for another hour at that 500 degrees. And then shut it off, let it cool in the morning, and she was her pan looked fantastic in the morning. Okay, um, and so that's that's for her. That's what worked. Yep, there is enough opinions about how to season <laughs> cast iron and how to care for cast iron. We could start a war over this. Yep, that's kind of what Jill said, and I I also watched something from Carolyn from. Um, from okay. homesteading family, Wait. and she was saying the same thing. There's just all kinds of opinions. Yep. You just kind of, kind of figure it out in yep. what works for you. Yep. Um, type of oil, you know, from saturated, you know, to unsaturated. Um, I personally like this. I like bacon fat, lard, um, coconut oil. I don't like as I don't think it puts it gets as hard. So from Serious Eats, they said the one thing they said about flaxseed oil is that um, if you're not using your cast iron often enough and it's got flaxseed sitting flaxseed will go rancid oh okay i had not heard yeah. that one so so they did not recommended oils that i don't cook with like canola oil vegetable oil corn oil those mm-hmm. are not in my house 
whereas there are plenty of saturated fat stuff in my house. And for the person that doesn't know what seasoning and cast iron is, I mean, it's not putting spices on your cast iron and cooking them. <laughs> seasoning is the is the black seal that you put on from using fats. That even when you go out and buy a brand new cast iron, it's supposed used, to be pre-seasoned. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. most of them are pre-seasoned, but they still say you want to put a couple coats on it. And you and one coat is not enough. They're talking restoring like Jill did. You're going to want to put four, five, six coats mm-hmm. on it. Um, they had a little more easier process than Jill. Um, they said the easiest way to do it is to wash it, especially if you're doing a total restoration like yours. I will take, wash it with, and, and hold on to everybody. They say use soap and water. Yep. I, there's heads rolling right now from saying that. But because I was always, no, you never put soap on cast iron. You know, because it pulls the seasoning out. And it's like, no, if a true seasoned pan that is cooked in there hard enough that soap will, and you're not leaving it, sit in it. You're mm-hmm. just doing a quick wash and rinsing it off. And so, so you're going to wash it and then you're going to dry it. And then you're going to set it on top of your stove, turn the flame on, dry it. You want to get all that water out of there yep. before you start oiling it. I don't know what happened if you didn't, but, but so you want to do that. And then they say you want to put on a light coat of oil. You want to you want to put oil on it and then you want to rub it and buff it until it looks like it has no oil on it with a paper towel or a rag. And then you want to put it in your oven at your 425, 450, 500 and only a half hour. They said if you rub it in well enough and buff it in enough, you don't even have to turn it upside down. You can if you're worried about it pooling, but if it's pooling inside a skillet or something, you left too much oil on it. And so and then they say to do that 3 4 times to get your initial seasoning. And then every time that you're using it, I mean, you use it, you're going to, and the best way to build up your, your seasoning is to use it, to, to cook a steak, cook a chicken, um, fry some bacon in it. And then when you're done, you want to wash your skillet. I wash it immediately because if you leave it sit, it's a pain to clean. That's just my philosophy in life in any pan. I'm not one of those to cook and come back four hours later and try to clean it. Oh. <laughs> no, that is. Yeah. Okay, Carol, we'll, we'll give you that award. But you know, that that is, you know, I don't want to have to sit there and scrub. And I was read some video about that too, about making cheese. It's like you want to clean that cheese pot right away. Yes, you do. That residue is not fun yeah. once it dries. And stuff. And so, so that's their thing is that you wash it right away with soap and water. I'm like going, that just blew my mind. Soap and water. Uh, actually, soap and water. I watched, I don't know what I was watching on TV. Maybe one of the cooking shows on PBS. Okay. And they had the guy from Lodge, Cast Iron. And he's like, yeah, you can wash it. You can yeah. wash it with soap. You just, you don't need to wash it with, with soap. soap. You know, you I don't mean, if take, you, yeah, you if you feel as though you need to put some soap on there and a little bit and to clean it up or whatever, yeah. that's fine. It's not going to ruin your, your cast iron. It's not going to. And I was like, huh. Yeah. So, so that's it. So the same thing, same process, you know, that was in multiple articles of ours is that to clean it, you wash with soap and water and then you want to dry it and then you want to sit it on, on your <laughs> stove or on, on your electric stove and you want to get it hot and you want to get all the water out of the pores and everything. And then you want to reoil it. If it's, if it's been seasoned initially and you're just everyday using it, then you heat it up, oil, it, dry it out, Oil it like you did before is put a coat of oil in on it and rub it in and buff it out so it's not, it does not have oil sitting in it. So, because if you leave it sit there a few days or a week and you come back to it, it'll be a gunky, gummy residue. Because, um, from I many years ago, I used to go camping with a church group where we took 30 girls out to the woods and we camped on stove. <laughs> yeah. <very> <laughs> Yeah, we took, well, maybe it was, no, we cooked, yeah, we probably cooked for 30 people, but we probably took 20, 25 girls with us. <laughs> Granted, there was five or six adults doing this with us. I was one of the cooks when we cooked on stoves and we had cast iron, we cooked over the fire and we would, the, the, the boys would have used this, this cast iron in the spring, oiled it and put it in the trailer. And then we would bring it out in September and a lot of times it would have gummy on it and we'd have to clean it and so yeah so you don't want to leave too much oil pooling in the bottom of your skillets or something you want to just you want to film it buff it out and then you know and then you let it cool once you dry it wash it dry it on the stove put some oil on it when it's hot and then you know with a paper towel or a rag wipe out the excess and my secret to that is I use welding gloves as oven mitts 
And so to take a paper towel <laughs> on a hot skillet and rub it out is no problems. Now, my husband cannot use my rubber, my welding gloves because the fingers have been hot so often they're short now. <laughs> I was going to say, it probably doesn't work real they well can, for they can't get their hands in my glove. <laughs> I'll see. Now, Carolyn from yeah. Homesteading Family, now I watched her care on Cast Iron. She basically followed that same thing. She did, I believe, um, after she... After she reseasoned it, after using it and washing yeah. it and putting it on the stove, and she put the her oil on. She uses a rag because okay. she uses a cast iron daily, multiple times oh, a day. Yeah. So she has one dedicated um, cotton cloth oh, okay. that she uses, and she uses that all week, and then she throws that away and gets a new cloth because oh, okay. she says you don't want that in your. You don't want to put that in yeah, your laundry. You don't want to put that in your laundry. And she said after a while, and she uses lard from their pigs, yep. and she said after a while, you don't even need to add lard to the rag towards the end of the week because oh, there's enough, enough in there, there to, yep. to do that. But then she, she, after she seasoned it, then she heated it back up until it just started to smoke and then shut she the burner off. Yep. Oh, okay. That's how she did it. I don't know. That's, that's, that's the only thing I remember. And she, she had lots of don'ts. Um, she had things you don't do. You don't ever put hot water in your hot pan. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're going to wash it, you know, you let your pan cool down, down first yep. and don't ever put cold water in it either. Oh, yeah. It's because just that'll like crack it. Just like a glass jar. Yep. That'll cl- crack it, those. it. And she said, you do not put it in the dishwasher. Well, okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. I've, I've seen posts on Facebook. <laughs> There's somebody's like, I love my husband dearly, but he put my cast iron in the dishwasher. <gasps> that might be grounds for divorce. <laughs> and um, another one was you don't ever put your um, cast iron in the sink and put water in it to let it soak. So, oh no. Yep, that's an absolute no no. No. And then you'll come back to a rusty mess. Yep. And the other one is don't use an abrasive soap. Yep. No abrasive, no no um, stainless steel or you that's know those my those one that I've, things. I've always done that. See, and and I'm like from this they said yeah, the same thing yep. is do not use a scrubby. And like my mom had cast iron and she didn't like it because she could never get it clean. So to me, this is really interesting to learn about this because my experience with cast iron as I was growing up was it was awful. Everything stuck to it. It it was heavy and it was gunky and you could yeah. never get it clean. And yep. so now learning this stuff, you know, we just didn't care care for it yep. correctly. And, you know, I think back to her mother, my grandma, and trying to think now, did grandma use cast iron? I honestly don't remember. I don't remember if my grandma cooked with, with cast, cast iron. iron or not, I can see her standing at the stove and cooking, but I have no idea what she was using for a pan. Yeah. You know, that type we of thing. We had cast iron, um, but I did not know how to take care of it. My mom took care of it or my dad took care of it. I know I cooked in, you know, fried hamburger. For, you know, goulash was my first dish I made. And I know I made goulash probably in a cast iron skillet. But do I remember? No. So hence, when I first got my first cast iron skillet, when I was newly married, I treated it wrong because I hated it. Everything stuck to it. I hated it. I never got rid of it. I mean, you just kept it and you used it. You never fried an egg in it. You know, because it wouldn't, it wouldn't it, you wouldn't get it out. Right, right. And stuff. And then I find out about seasoning and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, but yeah, they, um, people that seriously, they were like going, yes, do not. And even, um, I have one of these. I think my son gave it to me for Christmas. It's um, chain mail. Yes, I've seen those. I have one and I'd only use it when I absolutely had to. When something was cooked on, but that's where I would probably leave it. Set. Uh, yeah, I'm one of those. I'm cleaning my pans right away, so I would never leave it set for hours. I'd probably leave it set for 15 minutes to soak, and then I'd come back to and scrape it out. Or I have plastic scrapers from Pampered Chef that you get with their bar pans. I use those on it to scrape out something like just the other day. I don't even remember what I cooked in it, and I, I cooked it too much, and it's stuck to the side of it. And so then I needed a scrubber. I used a plastic scraper to scrape it out because I'm a stainless steel scrub person. I've used them for years and I, I was taking my seasoning off. It's like, oh, yep. Carolyn was talking about using metal utensils on your pants to get rid of those little egg scraps and stuff. And she says, that's that's the best thing to use. And don't ever use a knife. Don't ever cut in your pan. Because that will cut into your seasoning. That seriously, they weren't so bad. But you're not using, you're not doing it always time in the same spot. I think is what they did. they said to use them. Use your metal spatulas and stuff like that. You use a metal spoon and stuff like that was fine. 
Um, they had an article about myths, and you've covered some of them. Is like use your metal stuff. It's not like a yep, nonstick pan. Said. It's not like a nonstick pan where you're going to scrape off the finish. That you know you're just you know use the yeah. I have a little spatula that I use to scrape some of that off too. Cast iron is very. I mean, like like I said, my experience as a kid growing up, and my mom was always so frustrated. But you know, I know she did not ever season those pans. Oh yeah, I know for a fact that she never did that, and yeah. so I was turned off to cast iron completely. Oh, no, I'm kind of like drooling over your pile of cast iron I have there in my house. Like, ooh, those are nice. Especially now that Bob cleaned them. <laughs> well, I hope I get them back. Oh, yeah, you will. I just wanted to clean them. I, I knew I wouldn't get it done because he, he had them in the electrolysis five days. I was just going to ask. I forgot to ask you how long did it take to yeah, for that to work? Um, yeah, I think I want to say he hung them on Friday or Monday. Because so I picked him up on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, maybe it was Friday because I put him in his way. You know, there's, how do you get things done? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you put them in their way and then they'll like, do you want me to do this? I'm like, yes, please. Yes. And so he, it was Friday. He, Friday, he put him in the tank and then he took him out yesterday. So that is five to six days. So so we'll get we'll get to finish him this weekend, maybe. That sounds good. A yeah, little pan, pan of me. Yeah. <laughs> Our producer. Feel free to cook in him a little bit and help season him a little, a little bit, bit for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I bought one. I picked up a cornbread pan uh-huh. at a flea market this summer. Probably paid no more five bucks for it. That one. So it's got all the dividing. I'm like, why did I buy that? That's going to be a pain to season. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, yeah, so more nooks and crannies. Yep. Makes it, well, maybe it'll be worth it. Yeah. Maybe. Well, my best cast iron skillet, I paid a dollar for it at a garage sale many moons ago. Nice. And it was rusty, gross, and they didn't have a price on it. And I picked it up. I'm like, what do you want for this? And they go, a dollar? And I go, sold. <laughs> I'm like, do you know what this is, Brent? I mean, and it's huge. It's probably a 12-inch skillet. It's huge. And it's like, like a buck? Yes. Because yes. then I could, that was big enough I could cook a whole meal for my family in it back in the day. Yeah, my kids were still young and everything back then. So it's like. Oh, you've been using cast iron a long time then. Oh, Your children are all grown. I remember using it when I lived in Glenwood, and we lived in Glenwood from 88 until 93. So that's where Two I learned to get frustrated ago. with it because you couldn't fry it again. Yeah, because I, I was using a metal stainless steel scrubber, scraping off the finish. I'm trying to think, look over my notes here quick. Um, so you want to make sure the biggest thing is most of the frustrating people have with it that it rusts. And it's like, like you said, you do not want to leave water in it. You want to make sure you get it bone dry and then oil it. How do you store your cast iron? Did they I, have tips on that? No, nobody said that. I didn't read anything about that of anybody saying how they store. I store mine in the oven in the way. And so every time you want to put something in the oven, I've got my three skillets on the stuff for the stove. <laughs> You, with can, the non- you use yours quite often. Yes. And so it's always in the, I store, my, I have some in the oven and then I have some, I have a drawer underneath my stove and I have them in there because when you stack them all up, they're heavy. Right. And so to put them in, um, and I don't have a lot of lower cupboards. And so you need, if I was going to put them in a lower cupboard, I would have to be, have some place where I could, I mean, I couldn't put them over my head. I couldn't lift them up that high to put them in a high cupboard. Yeah. So I just put them in the stove and the oven and everybody says, you shouldn't store pans in the oven. I was like, it's cast iron. If they get hot, oh boy, no yeah, problem. It doesn't, doesn't matter there because uh, Carolyn from Homesteading Family said, if you're going to store them long term where you're not using them on you know once a week or whatever that you should if you're stacking them you should put a cloth or a paper towel in between your pans if you're stacking them because they will take off some of the the seasoning seasoning or whatever and I was like oh yeah because um because my stove I have a Frigidaire stove it's a five burner stove kind of like yours but I have um a griddle that fits on my middle Mm-hmm. And so the griddle is always on it, on my stove, because we use it quite a bit. And so that extra grate is always in the bottom drawer. And then a lot of times my like, um, I have like the small, I have a couple small skillets that are like great for frying eggs. And so those are always down there because they're littler and they fit around that grate. <laughs> and you probably use them almost daily. Well, not daily because Bob still grabs the nonstick pan and makes his scrambled eggs. Hey. He's yeah. cooking for himself He's much more than what my husband does. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, because otherwise he would not get breakfast. <laughs> no, my husband gets breakfast. I think we started that when I 
drove full time for the bus company. And you left early. I left the house at 6, 10 in the morning. And it's like, so if you wanted breakfast, I'm thinking that's a had to have been when it's, he started cooking his own breakfast. Rich can maybe do a bowl of cereal, cold cereal if he had to, you know, I'm not sure, but, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he, he doesn't really cook very much. He will grill. So did we cover everything? Uh, one thing, most people, they'll say that, you know, that it, it has even heat, but truly it doesn't have total even heat, you know, because it takes more. So like if you're going to use a big skillet, you don't want to put it on a big burn, a small burner. You want to you want a, a burner the size of your skillet or your pot. Oh, that's a good because tip. Because even though it's heating it, it's not going to heat it all the way out and around it. So you need to uh, you know you need to think about that when your 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 heat sources matches your pan. Okay, what about what about using your cast iron in your oven like a Dutch oven? Have you done much cooking like that? Not a whole lot. I've done bread in the Dutch oven. Oh, have you done the no need? That type? Um, I think I did a sourdough. Okay. And I don't do it a whole lot because that's not Bob's favorite type shape of bread. Okay. Um, he likes, he wants it to look like a sandwich bread. I love an artesian bread. I love the crust and everything like that because you get a different crust on, yes. a, on that than you do in like a loaf pan. He's just not cultured enough, I guess. Huh? I know. I don't know. And so I'm still not proficient at that, but that was, it was fun. And that would be a cobbler. Even if it doesn't turn out great, it still tastes pretty <laughs> yep, that's good. That's what my brother-in-law did when he was here, and he they used the they put it into the fire. Yep. They used like a can of yeah pie, pie filling and, and a few a few other things. I don't remember all of it. Yeah, what I it think, all was, but it was kind we, of cool. Did we? Um, I think we may have used like you know refrigerator biscuit type tube things. Pop them, Pillsbury. Yep. So I have a Dutch oven, I do cast too. iron, right at your yes, place at my like my <laughs> yes. Don't, it's do. not a real big one, but. No, it's but but it's it would be the size great size for making bread. Yep. Well, that'll be fun to try that yeah. with that with my brand new cast iron. That's yeah. what it's going to be like when it, like, when it comes back to me. So, you know, so, so many people are afraid of cast or scared of cast iron. That'd be me. Yeah. Right here. You know, and in 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 the now in the world of internet, Google and stuff, there's really I mean, search, research. I mean, that's it's like me that I've been cooking with it for 30 some years found out, oh, I should not be using my metal scrubber on it, wrecking my seasoning. And so hence, I will be reseasoning all of my personal skillets <laughs> too in the next few weeks. But yeah, so I mean, learn how to use it. I mean, the biggest thing is water is do not leave water sit in it. But you can, once you get it seasoned enough, you can even cook tomato sauces in it. I used it the other day to make my lasagna. So I browned my meat in it and I put my spaghetti sauce in that and heated it up and it did not wreck it. Nice. So it's like you can cook almost anything in a cast iron. As long as it's seasoned correctly yeah, and long. you know how to take care yeah. of it. Yeah. That's your, I think the care is the hardest part probably to learn yeah. how to care for your cast iron. Yeah. If you care for it right, it will treat you right. And it will last generations. Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, you're thinking there's people are still, you know, cast iron that was made in the 1800s. People are still using it somewhere because it's so durable. You know, it's not made the same today as it was back then. There's different. They changed the technique once they got to where they needed to produce it faster. The manufacturing, you know, changed from the 1800s to like the 50s, 60s. They started changing to what we have nowadays. It's not as smooth nowadays. It, it, as it was back where they they used to pour it now they different mold, different techniques is how but, yeah i've heard that too that the cast iron of yesteryear is not the but it's same just as, as it good yep. it's just a good and and in the only downsides to cast iron is maybe the weight of it i was gonna say it is heavy it is heavy it is especially heavy. if you stack stack three um skillets i have three skillets in my oven and you stack them all up they're heavy and like your your milk it's a milk crate that we have yours in it took a little bit for me to carry that in the house from the my son Sorry. wasn't there my son wasn't there and i thought well i'm not leaving them out here in the cold and so like it took a everything i had to pick that milk crate up and well you know you could have carried them individually well, no that would be like trying to carry individually shopping bags in you know, no, we can have as many as you can. <laughs> yep. It's like, and I'm only like 
10 feet from my kitchen, in my garage. So right. I think that's probably it. I mean, do your any- research. Yep. And then they're awesome to use. I mean, and there's, and we didn't even, we didn't even touch. I didn't even want to go there with, you know, enamel coated cast iron. They're, they're totally, I mean, and if you're worried about the seasoning and stuff, go with enamel. I would say go with enamel because you don't have to worry about the seasoning. You know, there's just still some other care that you probably would have to do with it, but you don't have to worry about the seasoning of it. If you're, if you want to get some of the benefits of a cast iron skillet with making bread or anything like that, go with enamel coated, you know, but they're expensive. I'm sure they are. But I think that's probably it. Okay. So if you have any um, questions for Jamie about her cast iron. Pop over to Facebook. We would see it quicker on Facebook than probably anywhere else. Probably. So, yeah, yeah, we'd try to answer our questions. You know, not that I'm the know-all. It may seem like it, but I don't know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know more about cast iron than I. I've I've learned a lot from you today and... Um, just in the little bit of research I did. I mean, I literally researched just a little bit before. Yeah, and then just you know, because like, I don't have time. I haven't had time this week. But you know, and um, if you're looking at recipe, there's all kinds of people out there with recipes. I have to cook in a. I mean, I mean, that's it. Just start cooking and and figure it out. So for the newbie who's just gotten their brand new pan and they've gone through and seasoned it like they were supposed to, what would you? What should be the first thing they cook in that pan? Bacon. Oh, bacon. Because you're getting more grease in there. Okay. Um, and then I would probably move on to um, steak. Okay. That's what Jill used. That was what she, first yep. thing she put in her pan. Yep. She put you know, slab of butter in there and she put grass-fed steaks in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. To, something greasy. Something like that. So you're building up more of that seasoning okay. and stuff. And then once you've got it really seasoned well, once you've, you know, hamburgers. I mean, you could do some hamburgers in there. Get a splatter screen. <laughs> How do I know? my? It's a daily thing at my house is wiping the grease off my stove. And it's like my cupboards yearly. You almost kind of need to strip them because I cook with a lot of grease mm-hmm. and in cast iron. So, yeah, find a recipe, make a cobbler. Okay. Is is there any um, restriction on temperature as to how hot you should have your burners? Um, I that do type not of, think so. That type of thing. I mean, he's you, shaking his head. Yes. Can you put it on high heat? I do. Uh, the highest heat possible for that burner or, I mean, because I have some pans that I use now and it, I'm never supposed to use anything over medium high heat on them because you'll ruin the finish on them. Now they're not expensive pan. I mean, they're, they're expensive to me, but they're really not that expensive, so, yeah, but that. they're not, they're not a Teflon non-stick pan there and enamel pan i do not and, think you know jill was seasoning hers at 500 degrees mm-hmm. you're not going to get 500 degrees on a stovetop skillet i don't okay. think would you want to cook at that temperature um it depends on what you're cooking <laughs> i mean you're i mean if you're sear, searing a steak mm-hmm. you're gonna get it done really quick and sometimes that's what you want but if you're um you're not going to cook an egg at 500 degrees because you're going to have yeah, that's not going to go well. No. So, and an egg is probably not the first thing you should fry in a cast iron no, no, I wouldn't skillet need. that if you don't know, yeah. you know, you want something fatty. If you're working with a lot of fat, um, smoke point, you're going to have to think about smoke. Are you want to, do you have your fire extinguisher handy? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think a fire extinguisher would be really good for and stuff. So you don't want to start your stove on fire. Right. I was just, I was just yeah. curious, you know, as I to never thought if about there were any, you know, limits, limits as to um, how hot you want that skillet no, um, I when always, you're using it. I always go by whatever I'm cooking is the probably medium. I don't ever do high, high, maybe unless I'm making a stir fry, but you're not leaving it there very long. Probably even still do stir fry at medium, maybe a medium, going a little off medium because then I have, my stove has some big burners that they're made to heat up quick. And so I don't even turn those up because then, you know, it's like I've, you know, Dutch oven with legs and stuff. I've thrown them in a fire with ashes around them. Good point. It's like, yeah. 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 And so, yeah. So it's like, you're not going to hurt the metal. We don't even talk about cleaning a pan after it's been in a fire. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little messy. Yeah. I can imagine. But that was before the days of using soap and water. Before, oh, true. You know, granted, that we was okay. Camp, yeah. Before it was like, oh, I've got to try to get this water clean with just water. And it's like, that was hard. But it now it's like, now I can use some soap to get some of that ash residue off, soot off. Because, yeah, they come out of the fire really sooty. I can imagine. Yeah. And your clothes, if you're carrying them, because they're heavy. 
my Dutch oven that's big enough because I have one that has the claws that can go out on the fire. It's pretty heavy. And so, you know, once it's cool to carry it up against your body. You yeah, you're going to have. You got soot everywhere. Time to wear an apron. Um, yeah, I did. Now you say that, I did wear an apron when I was out camping like that. Yeah, yeah keep yourself a little cleaner. So I think that's our expertise that, on cast iron. And is, yeah, is once my, I get my cast iron back, I'll yep. maybe with some updates on it, how, I, how I'm using it and, and that type of thing on our Facebook page and Instagram. Yeah, I'm hoping and, to get pictures on our Facebook of your stuff. Okay, yep. You've taken pictures along the way, and so you can see how the electrolysis type um, yeah. stripping of the cast iron works. Yep, the pressure washer after he takes the pressure washer to it. It was like amazing. All right. If you enjoyed our podcast, please give us a, a, a thumbs up or a like on Facebook. You can find us at twogalshomesteading.com, twogalshomesteading on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you share our podcast with those friends of yours, even people you don't like. You can send them <laughs> a link to that too as well. <laughs> We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. So until next time, put some kefir on it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappas, are Two Gals Homesteading. To learn more, go to TwoGalsHomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TwoGalsHomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead Podcast is the responsibility of Media Transex. The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Transex, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA.